The stories contained in this podcast are the recollections of the guests we've invited onto the show. We are merely an outlet for people to share their truths, and we accept no legal responsibility for the stories contained herein. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is Enough, a podcast which aims to shine light into the darkened corners of the music industry while discussing the ways we can and should improve ourselves and in turn our community. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Enough podcast. This is subtext, a subset of the podcast, which aims to be more information driven. I'm your co-host, Kendra Sheets. And I am your other co-host, Rich Gill. And today we're talking about everyone's least favorite school subject. If this is even a school subject anymore, I'm not even really sure. It makes me just seem really old that I just said that. But anyway, we're talking statistics. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of statistical information out there about assault and abuse. And reading it and trying to absorb it can be very overwhelming. We're not promising that this episode is going to be much better, but we're hoping that we're going to rephrase some of these things in a way that may make these facts more digestible for everyone. So when you enter the world, you can take a moment to realize how many people around us at any given time have suffered abuse in hopes that we will all be a little bit more empathetic with everyone. And please note that the data that we're relaying here is consistently being updated and is changing. We've attempted to find the most recent statistics and up-to-date studies that we possibly could. This episode will be discussing rape statistics, that of women, that of men, of the LGBTQIA community, and we'll be discussing report statistics and the myth of false reports. One in five women in the United States experienced completed or attempted rape during their lifetime. That is according to a 2015 survey by the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey, which can be found on the CDC website. So let's put that in perspective for a moment. Imagine you're at a show and the crowd is all women. It's probably some kick-ass band like the Luna Chicks or Bikini Kill or something (laughs) like that. Hey, 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 everybody likes these bands. Oh, no, I know. (laughs) I love them. But I'm saying, like, those are very women-heavy shows, which is great. Also, the Lunatics was the only reason I was thinking about going back to punk rock bowling ever. And then I found out they were playing Riot Fest. And I was like, I could sleep in my own bed. Yes, please. Anyway. That was why I wanted to go to Riot Fest. Basically, the only reason Mm -hmm. was like, oh, there's plenty of reasons. (laughs) Yeah, but that was the best reason. It was definitely the best reason. So if you're at a show... And the capacity is 1,000 people. It's a sold-out show. And it's all women there. That means that 200 of those women have gone through the experience of attempted or completed rape. Of those 200 women, one in three, or about 67... So 66.66% of a woman. Yes, exactly. Just checking. (laughs) Experience being raped for the first time between the ages of 11 and 17, which is, I mean, imagine yourself at that age. You barely know who you are at that point, and you are being sexually assaulted, raped by another person. And for my Chicago people or anyone who is familiar with the city, Rich mentioned um, a thousand person uh, sold out venue. For example, the metro in Chicago is 1,100. So just imagine if the metro was crammed with ladies and you're going to see 200 people, which I'm sure is probably the entire upper balcony. All of those people have had some sort of traumatizing experience in this vein. 
that's a fuck ton of people. For Minneapolis people, that's around, I think First Avenue is a little more, but it's comparable. So to put that into, into perspective. And everyone else who's not in those two areas, I'm sorry, we don't know all your venues the same way, but I'm sure you could probably figure it out. I don't know, the Bluebird, the Trocadero, it's probably around the same. <laughs> what about the Troubadour? Okay. The Troubadour. <laughs> um, according to that same survey that Rich had mentioned, 2.6% of men, or three out of 100, have experienced attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. Again, situational. You're at a sold out show with a thousand person capacity venue, but this time it's all men. So it's probably like, I don't know, hot water music or a veil or like Limp Bizkit or something like that. I mean, not that, again, these bands have specific genders attached to them. Those first two bands are great, Limp Bizkit. I mean, come on. Limp Bizkit is great. How dare you? Have you seen Fred Durst's new look? Anyway, um, so it's, you're at this a thousand capacity venue. It's sold out, all men. That means that 30 men in that crowd of a thousand people have been victimized. And of that number, one out of four or seven people in the venue experienced for the first time, again, between the ages of 11 and 17. So while men absolutely do experience sexual assault, the victims are more likely to be women. And that's not taking into account trans people, which we're going to address a little bit later. Now, let's talk about the myth that some people like to perpetuate about the stranger dragging people into a dark alley to rape them. Again, this does happen. There are those Law & Order SVU moments, but it doesn't happen as often as some people would lead you to believe. In actuality, about 51% of female rape victims reported being raped by an intimate partner and 41% by an acquaintance. So out of 100% of women who are raped, 92% of them were committed by someone that the person knows. So yes, while being assaulted by a stranger does happen, it's pretty rare by comparison. For males, it's around the same number. 33% by an intimate partner, 52% by an acquaintance, and 15% by a stranger. Moving on to people in the LGBTQIA plus community, in a 2017 crime victimization study, it showed that members of this community were four times more likely than non-LGBT people to experience violent victimization. And that includes rape, sexual assault, and aggravated or simple assault. So let's go back to our very favorite 1,000 capacity sold out show. We're back there. 200 women have experienced rape. That would mean that in a crowd of all LGBTQIA plus people, eight hundred of them have experienced that. So in the female version, it was 200. In the male version, it was 30 men. And in this situation with the LGBTQIA plus community, 800 people in the venue have experienced that. It's absolutely insane. So for LGBT people who are 16 years old or older, they're nearly four times more likely to experience violent victimization compared to non-LGBT people. They are about six times more likely to experience violence by someone who is well-known to them and about two and a half times more likely to undergo it at the hands of a stranger compared to non-LGBT people. 
LBT women are five times more likely than non-LBT women to experience violent victimization. The risk of violence for GBT men is more than twice that of non-GBT men. And about half of all victimizations are not reported to police. LGBT people are as likely as non-LGBT people to report violence to police. And speaking of our very favorite community service workers, the police, let's talk about how many assaults or rapes are actually reported. In a 2018 study by the U.S. Department of Justice, it showed that in, the, in that year, in 2018, only 25%, that is one quarter, of rapes were reported to the police. The previous year, it was 40%. That is a 15% drop from year to year. And why is that? Why do people choose not to report rape or assaults to the cops? Well, of course, there's many reasons, but one reason is that people of color are disproportionately at a higher risk of being victimized. So that means that maybe the person here is illegal and is afraid of being deported. Maybe they've already have a distrust of the police because they've been harassed or assaulted in the past. Outside of that, maybe they read articles about the thousands of rape kits that go untested and just sit in laboratories collecting dust. Or maybe they don't wanna relive what is undoubtedly one of the most horrific experiences of their lives by recounting it to someone who might reply with, well, what were you wearing? Or are you sure you're not just upset because he didn't call you back? Or any of the other number of tone deaf bullshit replies that we all know that are asked by law enforcement after reporting uh, assault or rape. Those are just a few of the reasons people don't report. If you want a more specific example of this, you can go back and listen to episode seven, where we talk to Kate from the Surviving Justice podcast. She goes into this in great detail. So that all leads us into our next topic, false reports. Holy fucking shit do people love to throw this one around. We discuss it fairly often here, and here are the actual facts about false reports. Yes, false accusations do happen but rarely. The national average is somewhere between 2 and 10% of all reports end up being false. However, let's keep in mind that that number is somewhat skewed since we just said that only about 25% of all rapes are actually reported to law enforcement. So that actual number is closer to the 2% range as opposed to the 10%. And before we continue, just want to remind everyone All of this information can be Googled on your own time. So before our critics say we're making this shit up, just take five minutes and do your own fucking research. But let's talk about false accusations or the lack thereof. People love to say victim survivors make false statements for clout or recognition. Let's look at what happened to Amber Heard or Evan Rachel Wood or the people who came out with stories about Ryan Adams, Harmar Superstar, They were doxxed, they were labeled sluts, liars, and even worse. They had any instance of drinking or drug use in their past, or anything that didn't fit into the narrative of quote-unquote the perfect victim, which there is no such thing, used against them. They lost friends. Who the fuck would want to go through all of that for clout? There's no clout to be gained in this situation. And let me note that Once you come out with these stories, as we've seen in so many of the examples that Rich just relayed, this is not a one and done. Like they blow up your world and they leave. It is a lingering, consistent social media onslaught that continues 
day after day, week after week, year after year. I mean, we're still getting tagged or notified of things that are going on from episodes that we've shared. The victims are sharing stuff with us and we're just a small podcast. Think about something much larger like Evan Rachel Wood. I mean, we're seeing the defamation suit as it's unfolding. It's, it's not a situation where you're going to be able to get over this easily. No one will let you. It's always out there. People are always going to talk about it. And everyone also seems to want to have an opinion on someone's personal life, not just with this, but just in general. Like we talked about with Death Be Heard, there's so many people that pick sides for specific reasons when they really have no actual tie to these people. They've never met them or they have, and this other person doesn't really know they exist. I mean, this weird fandom that has been created and it just draws a line between what's right and wrong according to, you know, but fuck anyone from Iowa. Like I neglected to bring it up during the Deb V Heard episode, but there was a very specific thing that someone I know had posted on Facebook where she was talking about Johnny Depp and she was like, I met him. He would never do anything like this. You met him at a fucking meet and greet for 15 seconds. Like you do not know him. None of these people know these hugely famous people in an intimate setting. You don't know what they do behind closed doors. And even if it was a scenario where you felt like you did know someone intimately, it doesn't mean that your story is going to be the same as their previous ex or their current or their next person. I mean, we've talked about this before, only slightly, I believe, but there's um, a number of times where people say, well, he was he was never done that for me. He never, he never abused me. So just because he did it to you doesn't mean, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. That never would happen. He didn't do that the whole time, or I've never seen him act that way, but it doesn't mean that because one person's or one, um, one relationship is forming formed one way. It doesn't mean that that relationship is going to be instantaneously duplicated with a different party. I mean, everyone has their own dynamics. And everyone kind of deals with things on their own trajectory. Maybe he wasn't violent to you. Maybe something happened to him where he started to become violent three years later with the current girlfriend. It's just because, you know, you you may have some sort of what you believe insight into a person doesn't mean you really know what's going on. And also to talk to the, the male identifying people for a second, I've been friends with people who were very nice to me, were very close friends of mine that I later found out had abused, assaulted, or raped other people. And just because I never saw that as a male friend of theirs doesn't mean that I should believe it didn't happen. We don't have the same relationship as that person has with an intimate partner. So for the people who get behind friends of theirs or say, I could never see them doing that. We've been friends for 20 years like you're not friends with them in the same way that they are with their partner or with the opposite sex or whoever they're dating or sleeping with. It's a different relationship there. So thank you so much for listening and uh, make sure that you follow the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Enough is a podcast centering on abuse, harassment, and assault in the music scene. To help get the word out, please like or subscribe and share with your friends. If you have been on the receiving end of harm from someone, be it artist, venue owner, audience member, or someone else, and would like to share your story on a future episode, please reach out to us at thisisenoughpodcast at gmail.com. All correspondences are kept confidential.